to born for this. Welcome to Born for This, the podcast that dives deep into the unfiltered emotional roller coaster of motherhood. I'm your host, Beth, currently a stay at home mum, raising two young children, some may say the unconventional way. I am here to share stories on pre and postpartum life through the lens of some of my closest friends and mothers who have inspired me on the way. This is where Raw meets real, where we embrace the chaos, the ups and downs, and leave no stone unturned. We'll laugh, we'll cry, and we'll hear stories you didn't know you needed. So grab your tissues and let's get into it. Welcome Anne to the podcast. Anne is a mother of two and passionate birth doula. She attended the births of both my children and I wanted to get her on to speak about some of the common misconceptions society has around home births and how having a doula or birth keeper can really make a difference to your birth. I'm not here to judge anyone on how they birth their babies at home or hospital, but I hope that in sharing some of these stories, we can have people look at home birth through new lenses. Thank you for joining me today, Anne. I think the Last time that we actually hung out, I was on all fours, so it's nice to sit down and have a chat. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> so, obviously, I'm aware of what a doula is um, because of our experience and our journey, but I actually had no idea until I was at a pregnancy circle with you and you explained your role, which I remember thinking like, wow, this is exciting. This is this is what I want to do one day. I didn't even know that the role existed and yeah, it was my absolute dream job. So if anyone listening that doesn't know what a doula is, what is a doula? Yes, I think there's lots of people out there that still don't know what a doula is. And um, to be honest, I didn't know what it was before I start uh, training to become one. Um, So It is actually somebody that supports women and families through pregnancy, birth, and postpartum, but in a different way than a midwife or a doctor would do because our focus is not on the medical side. And our focal focus is much more on the emotional side, physical support, uh, logistical support. uh, We give a lot of information. And, And it's such a... Yeah, incredible job because if you look at birth, we don't know anything about it or pregnancy. It's not something that we learn at school or, yeah, it's just once you're pregnant is when women uh, start learning about it. And when you have your doctor appointments or you see a midwife, it's also usually quite fast and they focus on how the baby's doing and less on how the mother is doing. Um, and for me, that was my, yeah, that was my big wow moment when I discovered um, what a doula can do for families. Um, yeah, and so it's, yeah, it's basically prenatal, we do prenatal visits where we would do a lot of explaining what birth really is, what they can expect what your options are around birth, because I think a lot of people just don't know what their options are. So they, yeah, if you don't know what your options are, you don't have any choices. And um, yeah, that's what we do. We educate and a lot of it is is emotional support. In our training, we we get a lot of of that as well, coaching on the, yeah, on the mental, on the mental, emotional side. Yeah, yeah. it was such a blessing having you there. You really allowed me to tune into myself and I knew that 
whatever you thought I needed, <laughs> you'd be right there. I remember sometimes it was even just, you know, putting some, was it some peppermint on a napkin? Um, yeah. And I think you... Against nauseousness. Yeah, exactly, because <laughs> both of my births, I vomited. Well, sorry, Lucas, I think I was vomiting. Isla's, I remember telling you, like, I feel nauseous, um, and you did that straight away. And, mm-hmm. yeah, so sometimes it meant kind of you doing that, and then sometimes it meant holding people back in the hospital setting um, from continuously monitoring me. You were kind of the keeper to my cave there, which was really good. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, you really know the language of birth and we click straight away. So it was kind of a no brainer having you there. So thank you. You're welcome. It was my honor to be there. Yeah. I, in birth, we, we, we are just there for whatever the mother needs. No, it really depends. Some mothers don't need a lot of support and we are just there holding the space basically. Um, but sometimes I will be much more hands-on giving massages or, um, like you said, um, we work with, um, aromatherapy or helping just to keep focusing on the breathing and all of that. And then a doula is there also postpartum. So that's really important as well because, yeah, then it all starts. <laughs> and um, with the breastfeeding journey, we can help as well. I'm also a lactation consultant. So, yeah, it's it's really the whole journey from pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. Yeah. Do you remember all the births that you've gone to? Like, could you – can you recall both <laughs> of my births? Because I'm sure you know a lot more about my births than I yeah, do. Yeah, <laughs> I can. I, <laughs> I can. I, I still can because um, – there are not so many. Uh, as a doula, you, you, like I say, you support through pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. So I do one, two, three births a month max. I've, ha- I've, I've had months in the past where I had four or five births in one month, but it's just not comfortable. And I want to really give that personalized support and be there for the mother. So yeah, if you if you only do one or two birds a month, it it takes a while to to get to hundred birds, let's say. Um, so I can I can still remember them all. I I write them all down, <laughs> but if I go through my book, then sometimes I do have to think like, uh, who was this? Because the names don't ring a bell always. But then I remember, and then yeah, it's like yeah, I I can always still remember the birth. Yeah. Is there anything that stands yeah. out for you then from my births? From your births? Well, your second was super fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, that stands out. And um, the first one was also very special because it was an unexpected hospital birth. So um, I think you were super flexible about it. Like you, it was just like, okay, this is what's happening now and this is what we have to do. Um, I, I, I still, ha- I still always have to uh, remember when in the hospital you wanted to be in the bird pool, <laughs> but there was no bird pool, so you were you were sitting in this tiny little bath. <laughs> I don't think they would let with me. Your would they? Up. They, they no, wouldn't they didn't let, me, let yeah. you. But then there was a shower with kind of a, a little bath underneath it. It was really like one meter by one, maybe. <laughs> you were using that as your bird. Pool. Yeah, it was literally <laughs> like the tray table for the the shower tray. And I think yeah. one of the midwives came in and she kind of just looked at me like, "You're right." <laughs> 
is she doing? <laughs> and when we when we got to the car park, I think I was having a contraction and you hadn't said to me at this stage, like, you're definitely in labor. You just kind of like, okay, let's go with it. We'll go and check. But I was yeah. 100% having contractions in the car park, wasn't I? Yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. But I, I didn't want to worry yeah. you. So it's like, just go. <laughs> we'll just see what's going on. Yeah. yeah. So before we get into some common misconceptions, I thought it would be mm-hmm. quite interesting to just kind of look at some statistics and facts. So we kind of get an idea what we are basing, you know, these misconceptions on. Mm-hmm. How many births have you intended in total? So now I'm just getting over 70. Okay, cool. So when we go yeah. through these statistics, yeah, we're basing it on that. Yeah. So a yeah. common misconception, I think, from a lot of people um, is that we mm-hmm. need to be in a hospital to birth our babies. What would you tell women if they're feeling this way? Yeah, <laughs> what would I say? Um, I think the most important thing is you have to birth your baby where you feel the safest. Um, but there's a misconception because a lot of people think a hospital is the safest place and for some women and some birds and some pregnancies that can be the safest place. But for most of us who have a low-risk pregnancy, and a low-risk pregnancy for me is just that you became pregnant spontaneously and your baby's growing and there's nothing special going on. That's a low-risk pregnancy, what most women have. Um, Then the birth most of the time will also be low, low risk because it's just the, yeah, it's just the following of that healthy pregnancy, you know? Um, so I find that a lot of women who start educating themselves and start learning about birth and how it happens and what is needed to have a, a physiological smooth birth they start to understand more and more that it's important to be in a place where you're comfortable, where you feel safe, but just can relax and um, yeah, enjoy the process, let's say. And so a lot of women discover then that they feel more, more comfortable at home. And they notice during their pregnancy already a lot of times when they go to their doctor appointment that their blood pressure goes up, that their heartbeat goes up, that they don't feel really comfortable in the hospital setting. Um, and if you are someone like that, then maybe a home bird is a better option for you. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I think a lot of people can come to the mindset of like, okay, I could do a home birth, but what if something happens? That's always kind of mm-hmm. always in the back of someone's mind. And I know from personal experience to get to a stage where I was 100% you know, confident birthing at home was a place with no fear. It was like if if I was worried that something might happen, I just had to let that go and understand that you know something did happen, which is very rare, that it was kind of you know nature's calling. Um, so in terms of the home births that you have attended, how many of those have actually needed a transfer to hospital? 
Very little. Um, so the last year I'm also doing almost only home birds. The last two years, I would say more and more home birds. Um, because I'm just attracting them more and because more people are wanting to have a home bird here on Mallorca. Um, and the transfers are like really, really low. Um, so from the bir all the birds I did, it's around one fourth that are home birds now. And from those, we have had like a transfer for twice for where the mother is choosing it herself, basically, um, where the birds are very long and they're getting tired. Um, and with very long, I'm seeing like two-day labors, like really long labors. Um, and they're getting tired and the baby's just or not coming into the pelvis or uh, the other one was where the baby was in the pelvis but still had to turn a little bit and didn't want to do that last turning. Um, so that happened twice. And then it's a really just calm decision we make and say, okay, let's go to the hospital. Um, from these two women, one eventually had a C-section because there was this baby just didn't want to come out. And the other one had a vaginal birth after an epidural where she could get some rest. Then we had one transfer after the birth for uh, placenta retention. So the placenta was just stuck. Maybe we could have waited longer, but it was also the mother also want, agreed, wanted to go, and we went to the hospital. Was it needed? Probably not. Also, the doctor said it was it was not really stuck. So maybe we could have just waited longer there. And the third one, no, the fourth one is that we went because there was meconium in the water. Um, and again, this one, in my opinion, was it necessary? I'm not sure. We went in the car, we went to the hospital. She literally walked into the labor ward, pushed twice, the baby was out. And a few hours later, she went back home. So it was more a precaution of the midwife there. Uh, the mother in that case was also very tired. And yeah, so, but yeah that and all of those were like really calm transfer we i never experienced an emergency um the midwife that i work with mostly here she has uh done much more birds than me and uh, she's been working a lot longer um and she says the same thing i think she had only once in 30 years where it was like okay we have to hurry up a little bit um we have had at home a little bit of a heavier bleeding, but nothing out of the really normal. You just had to be cautious about it. Um, so like, yeah, we all think that birth is an emergency, you no? Know? That's how you see it on TV. That's what most people think, screaming women, being rushed into a hospital. But birth isn't an emergency. It's just a 
yeah, a natural process that we're doing. Um, so in home births, we we don't see. I've never seen emergency. I'm sure there are, but I've never seen it for yeah all the births we did. These were literally yeah. what happened, <laughs> and when we had like a calm transfer. Yeah, it's amazing and. Yeah, mm. I think one of the other common misconceptions is that home birth is dangerous, and I think you've just proved that it's not dangerous, and the reasons for transfer weren't medical emergencies mm. by any means. There, yeah, there's very little research still done um, around home home births and, and how safe they are, because there's numbers where they look at um, countries with very little um, medical support where people live in, um, how do you say that, unhygienic places and where women home birth because there's just no hospital around. And so these are, these can be dangerous situations sometimes. But if you look at um, where women consciously choose to have a home birth, they have a low-risk pregnancy. Um, there is actually a big study done in uh, the Netherlands because in Holland it is very normal to have a home birth. Um, only women with who choose or have a high-risk pregnancy would go to the hospital and all other women in the public system have a home birth. Um, and there they have done a big study. And in that study, it came out that women who have a home birth assisted, assisted by a midwife um, have the same outcomes than women that go to the hospital. And what is interesting in that um, in that uh, research or in that, yeah, th those statistics, that so medically, on the medical side, they have the same outcomes, mother and baby. But if we look at how satisfied they are with their birth, it's a lot higher than the statistics in the hospital. Yeah, I don't think you'll meet anyone that's had a home birth that's not empowered and feeling, you know, incredible about the, about the birth they had. Mm -hmm. yeah. So hospital births that you've supported, have there been a lot of interventions within those births that you've seen in the hospital setting? Mm -hmm. Well, I think here in Spain, we are lucky because in the public system, at least, um, hospital births are attended by midwives and there's only a doctor coming if there's a higher risk or something. Um, so that is already a big change. We also have private hospitals here on the island. And if you look, look at the statistics, just on this tiny island, <laughs> you see there's hospitals where they have a C-section rate of almost 40%. And then in the public system, it is like 18. So, or even less, 13, I think the lowest was. So the difference in just this tiny island, depending which hospital you choose. So when I'm having clients that are asking me about which hospital to go to. And I always say like the place you choose where you're going to birth and the people that you will have around you. I think these are the two, two most important choices you make around your birth because just, yeah, you see, if you just choose this hospital, your, your rates to have a C-section go up by, more than double so it's crazy 
Um, the, the births that I attended um, in the hospital are a lot lower. Um, for example, my epidural rate is in the hospital is 15%, where the epidural rate in Spain in the, is 70%. So that's a big change. Um, and my overall C-section rate is 8%, um, where in Spain it's between, yeah, 25 and 38%, depending the hospital a little bit. So other interventions, well, these are the big ones for me, you know, like an epidural, when a woman gets an epidural, I don't think a lot of women realize, but once you get an epidural, it's just a complete different bird. It is such a, it's like, Everything is in the hands of the of the medical team. No, it's it's you're you're just giving up all the control basically. Um, so it's a big yeah, it's a big big intervention. Um, but other interventions, um, inductions, yeah, not really because <laughs> if I have clients, we try to give them a little bit of a natural push maybe before they reach 41 plus 5 it is here in uh, in Spain is that their time that limit here is to. it yeah that's a time limit um so usually the body's kind of ready and something naturally could push them like to start labor but i don't like to do it um i think it's never good not even a natural remedy um well your body will only re react to it when it's ready when when you have something natural um but a lot of women of course if they have chosen a hospital birth they they will try to do anything instead of having a medical induction um i ha i have had a few medical inductions um and then yeah you have the it depends what you see as an intervention. I think a vaginal check is an intervention as well. And that's something very standard they do in the hospital. It's almost impossible to say, no, I don't want, you You can try. Yeah, remember I was <laughs> trying they, for, desperately to say yeah. no and they, they just wouldn't let me really, which is mm. horrible to think back on because there was so many things that, yeah, as soon as you kind of walk through those doors, you do lose control of part of your body mm -hmm. like <laughs> mm -hmm. um and if you try and fight it while you're in labor it's almost impossible and yeah yeah it's I, it was yeah, really and the thing is as a doula as well i mean we can we can educate women but then in the hospital we can't we can't tell the medical staff no you can't do this yeah no, I mean, then they're just going to kick us out. <laughs> That's also one of the reasons why I do a lot more home births, because it's, it is difficult. It is difficult in a hospital. I mean, everybody's different, but if you want to have a natural birth, lately I, I started saying, like, if you really want to have a natural birth, you don't go to the hospital. Yeah. It's not possible. You can have a humane bird. You can have a respectful bird um, if you prepare well for it and if you come very empowered. 
but a real natural birth. You, you can't in the hospital. Even a woman that arrives, I've had women arriving at the hospital, almost pushing their baby out, you will still get interventions. They will still hook you up to listen to the heartbeat. They will still do a vaginal check, all these things. So um, is it bad? I'm not saying that it's bad. There's lots of women who don't mind, who actually want these things to feel secure. But if you're saying, no, I want a complete natural birth, I think it's not possible in a hospital setting. Yeah, I agree. Because even though I had a physiological birth, there was a lot of things that weren't natural about it at all. Um, mm -hmm. I really like what you said, though, about looking at the rates of different hospitals, because especially on the island where there is so many hospitals, I wouldn't even have thought of that if I was choosing a hospital to check the different rates with all of them, you know. So mm -hmm. I think that's a really good piece of advice for women if they are looking at a hospital to look at the statistics from, you know, their different options to see which is going to suit yeah. them best. And if women do decide that the hospital feels like the safest place for them, what are some tools that you could offer them to really sort of stay in control in their power, just like you were speaking about? Yeah. Well, first of all, we will go through a journey together. So we will really see like, okay, where do you feel safest? And if we find out it's a hospital for them, um, then we will prepare to have the best possible bird in that setting. No. Um, and it really depends from mother to mother, um, what their priorities are, what they feel okay with, what they feel safe with, where their boundaries are, what they want, what they don't want. So we will really go over a whole list of um, interventions and protocols because hospitals just have standard protocols that they do. They're not really interventions. It's just the way they work. Um, but you do have a lot of options and you can say, no, I don't want this. Um, so, but yeah, we will have to go over all that list <laughs> and prepare them step by step to know exactly this I don't want, this this is okay for me. Um, then together make a bird plan. I don't really like the name bird plan. It's more like your bird wishes maybe. Um, and the hospitals, luckily, most of them here do accept it. And a lot of midwives, when you arrive at the hospital, they will ask, do you have a birth plan? So that's really great because it wasn't like that just a few years ago. Um, and they will try to do really respect that. Um, and then have, if you have your partner with you, your partner needs to be educated as well. And they need to know what you want and what you don't want. Um, I remember in your birth as well, but at the hospital, um, you, we, we both knew me and your partner, we both knew that you didn't want an epidural. And he was also very much like, okay, I have to keep reminding her <laughs> that she doesn't want it. Um, and I think that was one of the first things that you said after the birth to, to both of us. Thank you for reminding me. Um, but if your partner wasn't prepared or if the partner isn't prepared, they 
yeah, they don't know they don't know how to protect yeah. you. Let's it actually say, makes me emotional thinking about it because I remember uh, <laughs> I remember <laughs> just being in transition and I was like, holy fuck. Like in my head I'm thinking, can someone cut this baby out of me? Like <laughs> I don't think I voiced that out loud. But I just remember saying that and then I, I think I said to you, I want the epidural and I just remember looking up at Kane and his eyes were just like so glassed over and I could see that he so desperately wanted to put me out of pain but you were both working together looking at each other like no we've got to keep her strong <laughs> and you did yeah, so and thank I know you. it's transition <laughs> and I know it will be over soon and it's like in transition women say the say all things no I want an epidural I want to die I want I don't want this baby yeah. <laughs> you know it's so normal you it's just it's just that phase you're going through and and everything just comes out but it wasn't we, we knew it wasn't what you wanted no absolutely <laughs> I'm so grateful that I didn't have that <laughs> yeah I felt everything it was do you remember his waters it's the same with both my births actually the waters only broke as they were coming out pretty much mm-hmm. so I had so yeah. much pressure I think actually my waters broke all over your bag didn't they <laughs> Yeah, they did. They still have stains. No, <laughs> they literally shot across the doctor's head onto the wall and straight down yeah. into your bag. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, no, but so for yeah, so for women who choose to birth in the hospital, and again, I'm never. I mean, there's no judgment there at all. Everybody comes with their little backpack with all their beliefs, how they are raised, what they have heard through their lives. And there's, if, if you want to birth in the hospital, that's absolutely fine you know, if that's your choice. But I think it should be a conscious choice. And that's the problem a little bit that most women or a lot of women just go through life unconsciously and just go and do what think is expected from them or is expected by society and in most places is going to the hospital um but yeah so if if you make the choice to go to the hospital then really make the choice and really be prepared um yeah yeah. and like you were saying don't just be prepared for what you want be prepared for if something is questioned during the birth have you had a conversation Mm -hmm. around what you would want you know if someone you've said okay I don't want an epidural but someone walks in the room and you're in transition and says you know do you want an epidural and you're saying yes like do you still want your partner to react the same way or do you want them to Mm -hmm. you know stay strong for you because man it's so hard to make decisions when you're in labor like you were just on another planet completely yeah, yeah. And maybe I also want to touch on, on like, I, it just came to me, like, why so many people think that a hospital is safe for for birth or it's it's the safest place, let's say. It's because a lot of women hurt or even went through it themselves where they have the feeling the hospital saved them. And I hear this so many because I also do bird debriefing sessions so we we talk about the birds it can be even I did one uh, not so long ago with somebody about 
a birth that happened eight years ago. And after the debriefing, she finally understood what, what had happened during birth. Um, because that's, a, that's also something that happens so much in the hospital that women don't know what's going on. This, things are happening around them. Things are happening to them. And nobody really explains what happens. And then afterwards, they think the hospital saved them. Um, and again... This wonderful midwives working in hospitals. I don't want to say hospitals are bad, um, but a lot of times things happen because of previous interventions. Um, and because of these interventions, something else happens or the baby reacts bad to an epidural or the baby reacts bad to an induction. And because of these interventions, they then have to save you or have to save the baby, you know? And if we think like, what would have happened if we would not have done anything and just let birth happen? Maybe you wouldn't have needed to be saved, let's say, you know? Um, if we look at the, at the States, at the USA, they have the worst numbers and they are super medicalized. They have maternal, uh, infant and the maternal debt are super high there. And I mean, it's a very developed country and it's because the births are so medicalized and it's from medical interventions. So that's the, the, the other extreme, no? Um, and it's something that, that we need to know as well. Like all these interventions have their risks as well. A C-section is a major operation, you know, and doctors don't explain all the risks involved. Um, an epidural is a big intervention and have a lot of risk. All the things they do have, have their risks. And I think there's, they, yeah, they don't educate women about this or they don't tell women the truth about all these interventions. Yeah, and it's, you always need to weigh up the risks, don't you? Mm -hmm. I don't, did you see a story recently? There was a woman, um, poor woman lost her baby at full term during birth and they've mm -hmm. put it down to the induction and she wasn't actually advised that the induction can potentially cause a, like a placental rupture and that's exactly mm -hmm. what happened and the poor woman lost mm -hmm. her baby and yeah, she she is speaking out about it. Um, because yeah. she was never told that risk. She was never – the only risk that she was given was that if you continue to carry on without an induction, you're putting your baby at risk um, and yeah. was never given the associated risks with actually doing the induction. So, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. poor thing. Yeah, there's sometimes decisions made by the doctors or um, – that I, I really, if you come from, my expertise is physiological birth, natural birth. So if, if you know a lot about that, and then maybe you have a client who had a C-section with a first, no, um, is pregnant again, three years later, healthy pregnancy, nothing wrong. And then the doctor will say, well, we like to induce you and have a very controlled birth because you had a previous C-section. For me, that's like 
why? Why do they want to do this? Because if you're going to induce somebody, the contractions are going to be much more intense. This is going to put a lot more pressure on the uterus. And what they're afraid for with a, um, a vaginal birth after C-section is a uterus rupture, no? So why would you choose to have an induction? That with a natural birth, everything goes much more slower, goes, um, yeah, just the contractions are not so forced, so intense. So sometimes I just don't get the, I don't understand the logic behind it because I'm just thinking from a very different place. And I always explain this to my clients as well. Your doctor is trained for all the things that can go wrong. That's their training. No, they, they are super good at their job. They're really good at doing C-sections at, doing all the interventions, but they have almost none, nothing of training uh, about physiological birth. And there are some doctors who know this. I've been in a, working in a hospital with a really nice uh, gynecologist, a very young woman. She was actually sitting on the floor because the mother was squatting. Uh, what is, I'm saying this because you don't see a lot of gynecologists sitting on the floor usually usually they don't they they want women to go up on the bed um she was sitting on the floor and we were in the pushing stage and it took a little bit longer and she looked at me and she said do you know shall we try a different position what do you suggest and I found that so amazing because she knew that I knew more about physiological birth than she did because that's not her expertise and it's so great when you have when you work with people like that, and there you can really work as a team, you know. And she's there for if something would go wrong, and I'm there to to help this mother maybe find a better position for the baby to come down in. So, but it's very rare, unfortunately. Yeah. How did that birth? Um, how did that birth finish? Yeah, great. Yeah, the mother was super happy. Um, she was very much like, ah, because the, the baby was also a girl. And then we had a female gynecologist and me. And she was really, ah, girl power. <laughs> um, now she had a smooth, a very smooth and good birth. And she ended up um, birthing on her side. Yeah. You mentioned earlier um, about sort of people's birth lineage and what they've known growing up from birth. And I've asked a, a couple of people this already. What what was birth to you growing up? Like, what was your sort of birth imprint? Yeah, I've been super lucky. <laughs> and I think that's what helps me so much in my work as well, because I have so much trust in mothers and babies. Um, so I'm the second of four. We were four at home. And um, my mother had two babies, me and my older brother in the hospital, and then my younger brother and younger sister at home. And I still can remember, especially my sister's birth at home. Um, so my mother always talked about birth as just something you have to do. She didn't say, she said it was painful. She was like, wow, it's hard work. <laughs> um but not in a way to be afraid of it. it. More just like, yeah, it's just something we women do. And, and that's it. And she chose to have um, her 
baby three and four at home, what at in that at that time in that moment was very exceptional um, because she just didn't like hospitals. Um, and yeah, so I'm very lucky to have have had that um, it's, as a little girl. It's yeah. definitely like a reoccurring trend when I talk to people. It's like <laughs> everyone, everyone that I've spoken to has got that empowerment from their mothers or grandmothers. And obviously mm-hmm. we've both had similar births and, you know, paving way for what our children will think of birth. But you know, women that have grown up that haven't had that sort of empowerment and mm-hmm. do just think of, you know, hospital as the first option. It's the safest place. I've heard all these crazy stories. My mum nearly died when she birthed me and all this fear that sits around mm-hmm. birth for them. I guess a piece of advice that we could offer people like that is to look outside of their birth imprint. You know, if their birth imprint is that fearful, then start listening to different stories, talking to other people, talking to women that have had empowering stories and, you know, potentially being the first person in that lineage to change their birth imprint. Mm -hmm. I must really say there's so many now, I bet, like a lot of women that come to me that want to have a home birth have come, come from a background where they heard terrific stories and have are secretive to their family, to their mother, that they're going to have a home birth. They say, no, I'm not, I'm not telling them because they're just going to scare me. And I find it so amazing that these women go for it and that they break their lineage um, by doing that. Yeah. And more and more, I really feel there's a generation now of young Women and not only women, because they're partners as well. Lots of the partners are so involved and are really encouraging them to do to, to do this. Um, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's a lot of work, and that's it's really where my passion li- lies in that prenatal support and um, yeah, finding those new beliefs and finding the power within themselves to to make those choices. Um, but it's it's wonderful to see this this really big a big change. Well, at least in in my world, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's really yeah. cool because it is a lot of work. You know, if you have come from a positive birth imprint, the work is not so great um, as someone you know that has to completely change their views on everything. Mm. So no, kudos but to I think them. our our yeah, but I think our mission is then to to support these women because we come from that trust for us. It's more easy, you know, to, to transmit this. And I always say like, look, I, I had two birds easy without too much of a pro. Well, no, easy, smooth birds. Like if I can do it, everybody can do it. I'm not more special than you. Yeah, We're just all the same. (laughs) So what do you think would be the most important thing for women then? Um, the important preparation that they can make going into birth? Yeah. Um, well, I'm creating an online training. Nice. <laughs> um, Chuck it in there. Nice. Tell us no. about it. <laughs> Tell <laughs> us about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm about to launch it. I'm almost finished. Um, 
And it's going to be a very personal, personalized training. So they will have a one-on-one with me as well at the end of the, at the, end of the training. But um, making this training has uh, yeah, gave, really given me the opportunity to dive deep in like what do women really need uh, to prepare themselves. And yeah, I think I found it. <laughs> now, I've, um, I think I really found um, some key points. And I think that the most important thing is that you need to prepare on all levels. And with that, I say, I say this because through my experience, I found women, for example, um, a, a yoga teacher, you know, super flexible, physically top conditions, all of that. She goes into labor and the labor gets stuck because mentally she's just afraid or there's things in her head blocking herself from letting go. So, um, or the other way around, somebody's like has read all the books, knows all about phys- physiological birth, um, but then is in bad physical conditions. It's like ha- hasn't done any workout in through through whole or pregnancy. So it is really preparing on all these levels. So um, first of all, mentally, like really understanding what birth is, reading some books, but and yeah, really really understanding what it is, what the process is. Then emotionally. Emotionally is such a big thing because the uh, body-mind connection is so strong. Like, yeah, if, if, you, if you're afraid, your whole body will just cramp and it won't, you won't be able to relax and open up. So work on that emotional side and there's lots of exercises to do. Uh, for that and then physically as well because birth is just a very physical thing so just making sure you're healthy you're eating well you're staying active um, maybe see an osteopath all these things so I think if you prepare on all these levels then you will have the best results and then you can really have the best possible birth for you thank you very much (laughs) now one last question (laughs) I yeah I have kindly been asked um, by a friend to stand by her side during labor later on in the year, and it will be my right. first time, like, walking into the birth space, and I'm very excited, mm-hmm. but I just want to, from your doula perspective, what's one piece of advice that you could offer me going into that space? Yeah. Just be present. Um, I see birds always, like, one big meditation, you're like in in the moment, uh, just being. You don't have to do so much. Don't worry about doing things. Um, and remembering it's not your birth. It's this mother's path. Um, I think for me that was the hardest with the first births I attended that maybe didn't go exactly as we hoped it would go. Reminding yourself that yeah, it's this mother's path and everybody has their paths that they will follow. Or um, So you, you can't control anything. You can just be there and just being there is more than enough. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the follow button to be notified when the next episode is out and follow our Instagram, bornforthis underscore the podcast.